0: Thanks for joining. Uh, welcome to the regularly scheduled uh, Tuesdays at 2 Call. Um, uh, no Kevin today. Uh, he's um, off doing some personal stuff that uh, uh, he just has to get done, right? So um, yeah, for today, uh, note that we are recording, right? Um, and we'll uh, post these at the uh, the usual spots as soon as we get a chance. Um, slide deck's about eh, 15, 20 slides today. Uh, we'll try to move through it fairly expeditiously and get to some uh, some Q&A. Just want to note, right? um, uh, Look out for uh, for number one, right? Uh, Continues to be a lot of instability uh, in the airline, particularly in the training department. Uh, Safety department's uh, still very thin, right? Um, Unable to do a lot of the stuff that uh, would normally unburden the pilot, uh, so a lot of the airs are put on the pilot to catch. Uh, work slowly, carefully, diligently, right? Um, only as fast as you can uh, safely move, right? Uh, plan for today, we got some, uh, uh, well, uh, Zillin and Will are here with me in the office. And um, we're working through uh, PBS documents today, quite a bit of stuff to work through. Um, so uh, we did get to a ta on all of the documents i think late yesterday afternoon and uh now it's in our hands to kind of work through um yep uh today we're going to cover notification of changes to your schedule right so um uh just deal a little bit with the company's uh, requirement to notify you when your schedule changes and how that kind of works so a um, little bit of news here on the uh, discussion that um, Will and I had with uh, Jude and Greg yesterday. Uh, I think a really good, honest, open discussion about safety training and uh, labor relationship in general. Um, you know, the on the safety front, um, we've been looking to get uh, funding for uh, Foca uh, SIFA animations for quite some time now. Uh, keep running into obstacles uh, with uh, the leave funding uh, for those animations to get made. Uh, there is an LOA that's been drafted and uh, handed over to the company. And um, as of uh, well, now, it still has not been uh, signed and dealt with. Uh, so we talked with Jude and Greg a little bit about why that's necessary and, and why we need the additional funding and uh, in Almost every way, it really just comes down to the growth of the airline, right? The the Folkwa team is funded to exactly what uh, they were when we were, you know, a 200 uh, pilot airline, 250 pilot airline. And now with uh, 660 pilots, it's really hard to... um, uh, for the focal guys to actually really evaluate all of that data and make the safety recommendations that they need to be making and put the time in to uh, make sure that that data is making it out of the safety program and into the pilot world, right? Uh, it really should be driving uh, training scenarios and be the backbone of AQP, and, and it really isn't right now. Um, so we also talked about training uh, and the failure rates uh, that we're seeing um I think we had a month, maybe July or so, where the pass rate was about 80%. Uh, our understanding is the national pass rate is about 98%. Uh, so pretty significant downward trend there. Remember that's an average, right? So uh, some of the some of the uh, numbers were well below that, right? Um, it's just a, a really difficult situation with the training department. Everybody uh, kind of agrees that it's in in a crisis. Um, and people need to figure out a plan to get it under control, right? Uh, we did discuss a, a class size drawdown um, with Jude and Greg. Uh, you know, you saw the Bolton Award come out today, and it has, um, you know, it's nine instead of maybe 24 or something like that, right? Uh, truly, the training department needs to slow down to go faster, and um, it's just not going to get in front of itself. You know if it's trying to build the airplane while flying it just isn't going to happen um that said the drawdown is only effective if there's a good plan in place to execute um change during that period of time right so if you draw down for four months or six months right um you have to use that time wisely to get in front of the the myriad of problems that are uh playing the training department right um so we Walk through a bunch of examples uh, with Jude and Greg of how you know everything from training scheduling is difficult to um, AQP scenarios and how those are built. Um, change management processes, right? Um, the airline in general suffers from change management, uh, so uh, that's what's causing the the expiry dates problems. Um, and I, I think it was really good, you know, neither one of them um, have been through, you know, pilot training and don't necessarily understand all of the ins and outs of it, uh, but truly um, what I saw was interest in and maybe even a little compassion to uh, to do better, right? Um, certainly the growth uh, of this airline is predicated on the success of the training department, if the training department can't pull people through Uh, we're just simply not going to grow, right? So now we're uh, um, arguably working in the other direction, which is to slow down, but it is necessary in order to go faster. So um, we're going to keep talking about what the plan is and make sure that there is a plan, uh, that the drawdown isn't squandered, right? Uh, That There's something uh, executable in place uh, that makes the drawdown uh, worthwhile right uh, and that uh, what we get it coming out of that is a, a successful training department that um that treats us as you know professionals and um uh, helps to give us the resources that we need to succeed right um uh, that honestly the training discussion was uh most of the two hours that we spent together um the labor relationship is a, a very necessary conversation, right? But it's a it's a difficult conversation. There is um, uh, angst on both sides, right? Uh, that said, um, still, you know, distributive bargaining is harmful and and it hurts both sides and it hurts the relationship. Uh, interest-based bargaining is where we start to move ahead and create competitive advantage. Uh, truly. Um, the company sets labor policy, right? And we act and react and from inside of that labor policy. There's really not much that we can do uh, to change the way that um, they approach labor. And uh, truly by approaching labor with uh, an interest-based bargaining um, approach, right? Uh, you lead to a, a long-term relationship that's successful in, uh, you know, the, the part that is... Painful on this side is uh, it's very very difficult to help the company um, when we're doing distributive bargaining, which is harming the relationship, right? So it's all about relationship, and um, that's what going out to lunch with Jude and Greg is about—is trying to grow that relationship and make sure that it stays healthy, right? Um, all right. Uh, so a little bit uh, more news, right, on the just the PBS TA. Um, Like I said, we did reach a TA yesterday, Uh, so the TA uh, then needs to go through the ratification process, right? So um, the MEC and negotiating committee are here in the office today reviewing the documents that the JPWG uh, put together through their negotiating process, right? Um, Part of the progress at the table um, was predicated on MEC ratification of the uh, PBS LOA, okay, as well as the changes to Section 25 that are required and uh, other sections as well, right? Um, Truly, uh, this avoided the arbitration risk and uh, the complication here, right, is uh, when you come to negotiate with a distributive bargaining mindset right you come into that deal knowing where your bottom line is and you will uh pull out of the deal if you are not going to see um uh, something better than your bottom line right and uh alv and hlv were very contentious issues right um Having a very high ALV means that we work more days and potentially even more than we work with a 95-hour credit cap that we have now. And, um, you know, at the same time, the company has, you know, peaky months where they uh, need to fly a lot in order to make the revenue um, and, and be successful, right? Uh, and there's really no offset there for the pilot uh, who would lose days off and um, uh be working more for, you know, the the high peak months. Uh, So, you know, the company desired to have, you know, a a peaky system, and that is counter to our need to have days off, and it ends in a contentious corner, right? Uh, That said, right, if the labor policy is distributive bargaining, um, their plan is to pull out of the PBS negotiations and uh, potentially out of uh, PBS agreements altogether, right? That is what drove um, uh, a strike vote at Allegiant. Uh, is you know, uh, I think two strike votes actually, but um, uh, were driven by uh, the company not providing uh, a functional uh, PBS system for that for that property, right? And so, um, certainly, it's in the thinking, right? So, uh, very important to us that we were able to uh, come to a deal, land the plane, right? Um, It might not be the perfect PBS system, but it is a good PBS system. I mean, NavBlue in and of itself is a great product. It will allow our pilots to bid quality of work, which is uh, substantial. Uh, Right now we don't bid quality of work, we just bid for days off essentially, right? Um, Being able to bid where you wanna have overnights or what time of the day you wanna work is just something that we can't do with a line bid. Um, and, and truly, uh, I think we got a good system, right? We have all the bidding parameters that nav blue has to offer. Um, and, uh, we have pairings and lines being built by our people, which is, um, uh, a significant driver to quality of life and indeed well beyond, uh, what any other property has in terms of involvement in pairing builds. So, uh, you know. I would have liked a couple of things to end up in a different place, but truly we left nothing on the table. It was um, a, a hard negotiation, uh, but it is in a good place in terms of what uh, what this PBS system is. And uh, we look forward to uh, the next steps uh, as PBS starts to um, move towards implementation on this property. Right, uh, As soon as we have... Um, really comb through the document, built up a slide deck, that kind of stuff. We'll try to hold an all-pilot call, uh, dive into PBS and some PBS knowledge, right? But uh, for right now, uh, we're just at the step where, you know, we're reading the documents and learning about uh, what's there ourselves. So um, uh, bear with us for a little while while we try to add, uh, add this to our workload. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Will's laughing, uh, and <laughs> I, I understand it. Um, so, uh, yeah, hey, look, uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, seat fills in general, right? Um, so, uh, the amount of grievances that we have been filing lately is pretty significant, and the the contract compliance is, is clearly slipping. Um, I'm just going to work through uh, one issue today. Uh, we filed maybe 20 in the last week or so, and uh, it's, it's good fodder for working through these on these calls, right, because you kind of pick one issue apart. So we're just going to work on um, uh, the failure to notify this pilot of uh, changes to his schedule, right? So um, pilot's on reserve, right, gets uh, called up and assigned to a, a seat fill, um, arrives at CAE for the report, and there's simply nobody there. There's no crew. Uh, at all, the sim is down on the ground and the blaze is dark, right? Um, pilot then calls uh, crew scheduling to find out what's going on, right? And they tell him that the, uh, uh, the sim fill had canceled uh, previously and um, he was not notified as required by 12v1, which is why he he showed up at the training facility, right? Um, you'll see here on this slide, right, this is a simple copy-paste of 12 e one right, so each pilot is responsible for being thoroughly familiar with the schedule as originally been modified. That's to say, you need to check your schedule for uh, legality, right, uh, every time you get a schedule and every time that it changes, um, you need to be looking at that and understanding what's there, right. Um, the highlight in red here, right, it's uh, the responsibility of the company to notify each pilot uh, of uh, modifications to his schedule as soon as practicable after such changes are known, uh, consistent with paragraph uh, E2 through E4 below, as the responsibility of the pilot to be reasonably available for contact to be advised of such modifications, right? Uh, truly, this guy's on reserve, right? When he gets called out, uh, his reserve time ends. Um, that said, the company still has um, an obligation to call him and let him know that that, uh, that assignment is canceled, right? And so and we'll work through some of the, the contractual corners that you run, run into from here. So um, in this case, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the remedy here, right? So uh, what the pilot is seeking, what uh, the grievance committee is seeking uh, for the pilot is uh, five hours of pay above guarantee. Um, And just kind of trying to look at remedy formulation a little bit here, right, so how was the pilot harmed in terms of pay, uh, right, lost pay or lost time, right, and how does the grievance process uh, restore that loss to the pilot, right. Um, and so you start to look at some uh, some of the obvious places, right, removal from the order of assignment. So once he's been called out for this assignment, he's he's out of the order of assignment. And, um, you know, maybe he's a commuter and was hoping to get, you know, a nice long stretch of, uh, you know, four days of work so that he wouldn't have to buy hotels or sit in a crash pad. Um, and then you look at drive time and cost calculations, Right. Uh, for those of us who live in Minneapolis close to the training facility, this is pretty easy, right? But if you have a drive from, uh, you know, further away, uh, that's that's more problematic, right? Um, and, and there's costs that are associated with that. Some of that stuff gets pretty intangible, right? And so, um, basically, what we're seeking here is a, a standard remedy, you know, five hours for the technical violation of the failure to notify the pilot. Um Certainly, you also seek a cease and desist, I should mention here, right? Um, and then the, what will happen is the grievance committee works with the company to try and um, uh, come to a settlement, right? And that that settlement might end up in a cease and desist, which is basically a promise from the company that they a understand what the language actually says, uh, that they understand that they needed to notify the pilot, uh, didn't, know, they will stop doing that, right? Or um, uh, pay the pilot you know, five hours of pay, right? Uh, or both. It can end up in any of those spots, uh, depending on where the where the conversation goes, right? So um just working through some of the um kind of follow-on issues that occur after it hasn't been notified, right? So uh can this pilot who's uh, assigned a Simphil um who's been assigned to Simfo, which canceled, right, be placed back on reserve for the remainder of his originally scheduled reserve time, right? So uh, at the time that the pilot calls crew scheduling and says, hey, you know, no, no one's here, and they go, oh, yeah, that that canceled, right? Um, you know, what's the, what happens to the pilot next? Does he go back on reserve time for the rest of the day, or does he go home? You know, what happens, right? So no, the pilot can't be put back on reserve. Um, and if you look at 25 m 2 e Two, right? This is the language that says uh that the pilot's reserve time ended when he was notified of the sinful assignment. Okay. Um and he can't be put back on reserve until he's received a legal rest period. So the only thing they can do with him is uh essentially release him. Um there the, Zillin's looking at me. There there's a um you know, a two hour uh, requirement there uh, with um, the ability to kind of uh, give the pilot a further assignment. But if there's nothing that they can assign him, uh, he's done. And then it's from the end of the pair. Yeah, yeah. The two hours is from the re- end of the so original the two hours,
1: they can call him. They can they have two hours to reassign it, But so
2: then if they release it, it's from the end of the trip. So at the end of the trip. So the trip ended it. So period was six hours long and the
1: from
3: when he released originally was scheduled to release.
0: Ah, yes. Um, all right. Uh, so can the pilot be returned to reserve, right? Here's the language. Uh reserve pilot's reserve time ends and he ha- no longer has an obligation to be available for contact when he is notified that he's been assigned to a specific trip and shall not thereafter be assigned or be obligated to any future reserve time until after the release time of the trip as assigned, rescheduled or reassigned, right? Um, uh, so uh, once he's uh, been assigned to that trip, this in this case, the sink fill, right? Uh, you got a four hour uh, chunk of time from report to release and he's uh, he's done uh, until until then then he has to go into domicile rest so 12 hours of domicile arrest. um note also that in this case right here uh when a pilot's actual release time is earlier than the release time of the originally scheduled trip right he may be returned to reserve time following a legal rest period right so this is where um uh you know he calls up and it is released basically at report right because nobody's there um uh, and he needs to uh receive uh legal rest after that so uh domicile rest in this case right uh so scheduled to 12 hours uh the reserve period to which he returns right um it will be the next specific scheduled reserve time period that was awarded to the pilot at the time the pilot was awarded his final schedule. Right. So uh, basically, the next time that you go back on reserve is going to be your next AM, PM, or red eye uh, reserve period. Okay. And um, that period can be rescheduled. Right. The the next subsequent period, um, but that's all done in accordance with uh, you know paragraph M three C. And uh, as long as you're just staying in the same reserve period, right? You were on AM, you're called out to the SIM, uh, that thing cancels, you're gonna go back on AM the next day unless that period is scheduled to PM Red Eye somehow, right? Um, this last bullet here, however, a pilot's reserve time does not end because the pilot is notified of a future training checking assignment. Um, I'm gonna walk through that a little bit on another slide here, okay? um because it actually uh, kind of became a bit of a problem and a bit of a discussion here right so uh let's see how that played out right so you know but wait isn't a, a sim fill a training event right well um not necessarily right for uh section 18 right for uh the training pilot sim are training events because they're getting paid to do that training event okay But from a a reserve or a regular pilot who picks up uh, this sim fill out of open time, uh, that sim fill is a trip, okay? And we'll work through some of that language, right? So crew scheduling tells the pilot uh, that they're going to put them back on reserve because this is a training or checking event, right? And they're looking at this, this little sentence right here. However, a pilot's reserve time does not end because the pilot is notified of a future training checking assignment, right? Um, What that is intended to do, right? That is, you know, you're a reservist who has CQ on the 19th of the month, right? Now on the first of the month, you're notified that you have that CQ, right? Does that absolve you of your reserve time until the 19th of the month? No, right? Because you're notified you have that, that CQ, doesn't mean that you're done with the reserve for the rest of the month, right? Um, so, uh, what we need to understand, right, is this, this last bit of this paragraph can't be parsed out to say, um, you know, oh, that's a, that seat fill that I gave you, oh, that's a, that's a training event and your reserve time didn't end because it's a training event, right? Which is kind of what the guy ran into a little bit, right? So, um. scheduling says they can put me back on reserve because this is a, a training or checking event no simulator fills are assigned to reserve pilots in accordance with 25u and 25i4 and are not training or checking events right so what 25u is is all of the language uh some of which you can see on this slide here below um and it's how a seat fill is assigned or awarded uh through 25 i4 which is the order of assignment right so uh, it's either going to be assigned to a reserve or awarded to a a pilot who a regular pilot who um, adds that through open time okay Uh, so what you see here in the rest of this language with 25 u A simulator fill or sim fill means an occasion when a pilot is not the subject of recurrent initial upgrade, requalification, transition, or other flight training, right? So you're not assigned to training, which is kind of a status, right? Um, You're a regular pilot just picking up an open time seat fill and it's treated as a trip, right? Um, So uh, you're not in training, right? So That sim fill is uh, an occasion where you're not a subject of recurrent and initial, right? You're not in training Um, and you're going to serve as either a captain or an F.O. And then uh, at the company's discretion, each open sim fill, right, may be posted and awarded as a future open time trip or is assigned as a current open time trip. So um, these days, there's not a whole lot of difference between future open time or current open time. Those are, um, you know, it used to be, uh, prior to December of 21, there was a a really clear divider uh, based on today, tomorrow, the next day, that no longer exists, right? It's just 72 hours prior to report is current open time. And it only matters so much that, uh, in so much as that's the time period in which crew scheduling can start to assign uh, things that are in open time, okay? Uh, And future open time, uh, like, kind of confusingly and ironically, was the the open time that was in the past, like outside of 72 hours, but it, it was as if you were looking ahead towards uh, that future um, uh, situation, right? So anyways, at the company's discretion, uh, each open SimPhil may be posted and awarded as future open time or assigned as a current open time trip. And what this says, right, Is they have had the discretion still have the discretion um to uh post them right and award them as open time or uh assign them to a reserve right the the company theoretically could kind of leave these in uncovered training events back in section 18. this is important when you start to look at this particular sentence right because um Where seat fills reside um, is in the training department until uh, they've basically decided to move them out of uh, uncovered training events. That discretion, that's what's happening here, is discretion to move it into... Uh, section 25 and into open time, and at that point, you know, do they decide to to leave it in uncovered training events until it gets inside of 72 hours, and uh, assign it to a reserve, or do they move it out of uncovered training events, you know, five six days in advance and get it covered by someone picking it up? Um, anyways, uh, there's a little bit of a difference there from the way that we used to work, right, where sim fills were. Um, the work of, you know, open time uh, and done through Section 25. Uh, truthfully, they go through uh, and are washed through the instructor on training events first, um, and then the company has discretion to post them uh, under Section 25 as open time. All right. So um, this last sentence here, 25U4, uh, this one's pretty important, right? Because this uh, talks about how uh, how you're paid for a SIM fill, right? Uh, SIM fill time shall be paid and credited as flight time and shall be calculated as leg pay using the scheduled simulator period, exclusive of brief and debrief time as the scheduled flight time, all right? Um, you're getting paid leg pay uh, as if you're flying an airplane, right? from block out to block in, uh, similar to any normal flight, right? Um, What's interesting here, right, is is you're really getting paid midday, right? Um, So how are you paid, right, for a seat fill? How about a seat fill added through daily open time, right? Um, So if you take a look at 4E2D, right, a minimum of five hours of pay and this is just basically from now until the end of the year right and then uh, January of 24 we go to a min day guarantee right but right now we have an average min day uh, either one really for a seat fill just because it's um, you know a single day's event a single trip right um, uh, pays a five hour uh, minimum guarantee right so Uh, A minimum of five hours of pay and credit averaged for each calendar day in multiple calendar day trip sequences, right, or five hours for a one-duty period trip sequence. Um, A seat fill added through daily open time pays at the advertised premium pay rate for the day, just like any other trip. It is a trip. Um, And yeah, if you uh, understand what's happening here, right? Um, These last two bullet points on this slide, right? So at the company's discretion, each open SIM fill may be posted and awarded as a future open time capital T trip, or assigned as a current open time capital T trip. Uh, They are trips in terms of pay, right? And so when you get to the average minimum uh, trip guarantee, that's five hours, right? So uh, a seat fill assigned to a reserve is going to pay at uh, at five hours of pay um, towards guarantee or above guarantee if you've broken, uh, broken guarantee, right? And then uh, you pick this up out of open time, that's seven and a half hours of pay. All right. Um, with that, that kind of you know gets into all the stuff that this guy ran into with his scenario um, and what's being grieved in, in his grievance. So um, you know if you guys have some questions, uh, comments, thoughts on uh, the contract language here or how he was scheduled or what uh, what's the right thing that's supposed to happen to this guy. Um, uh, feel free to speak up ask anything you want to know. I uh, can use the raise hand function for that. All right, I got two open telephone lines and I know it's a little hard to to raise hands on the phone lines. Um, So I got a number that ends with uh, 6500. You're unmuted. Um, If you wanted to ask a question, you have the floor. All right, right. nothing at that one. I have another telephone number at uh, 2522. Uh, You're also unmuted. And um, if you wanted to ask a question, you have the floor. All right, not much there either. Uh, anyone else, uh, questions, uh, please use the raise hand function and we'll work through it. Yeah, um, TJ.
3: Yeah, it's Tom uh, Born here.
0: Hey, how you doing?
3: Good, uh, in regards to his notification, I've, I get a lot of times where as the captain, I'm like the last person to know, uh, it just happened to me this weekend. I, I was never contacted. And, uh, the, I mean, the only reason I knew anything was going on is cause I was in communication with the first officer and, uh, you know, I tried calling like scheduling to see what their plan was. It was, you know, please hold, we'll call you back. Never get a call back. And, and end up never getting an answer or getting told what was going on or what's happened. And then I just see it on eCrew and wait a couple hours and I guess, well, I guess that's solid. I'll I'll confirm it. You know, it's but uh yeah. it happens frequently where they they never communicate with the captain, never put him in the loop.
0: Yeah, that's right. Which is exactly why I'm talking about it today, right? Because um, you know, this isn't some sort of like you know, grievance factory, like, hey, let's try and get this guy five hours of pay for, you know, n- not getting a telephone call to let him know he shouldn't go to the sim, right? What this is about is operational reliability. And, uh, you know, the rules that we negotiate and put in place are negotiated by two parties, right? And they negotiate those rules in order to, um, you know, design a system with crew scheduling that is going to, you um, make the airline reliable, right? And fundamentally, it's very, very important that crew scheduling is in communication with the crews uh, to tell them about delays so that we're in position and where we need to be to make sure that uh, the planes move when they need to move, right? And if crew scheduling is starting to slip and slip away and not calling pilots and not making sure that people are notified, right, the operation starts to fall apart and, and we're all seeing it and feeling it and um, it's extremely important to our careers that the uh, operation has reliability. And so we're, we're pushing back on it and trying to make sure that something happens to uh, assure stability, right? Yeah, I mean,
3: like this one, if, if I showed at, uh, you know, my original show time, I probably would have timed out. And they, they, they have yet to, you know, notify me contact me talk to me uh you know they had other options too but yeah there's no words you know, they didn't say anything uh i've had it too where they've like gone and done aircraft swaps and you know they're telling you know like i'm i'm expected to go get the airplane and move it but nobody's even talked to me or briefed me in on the plan so i'm like no, with well, airplanes i'm moving until somebody tells me i'm supposed to move it
0: yeah that's right That's right. And, you know, like I said, uh, they got to start calling people and communicating and, you know, staffing crew scheduling with enough people to make those calls so that we are able to do the work that we're trying to do. Right. Um, We all want to see this place succeed. Right. And everyone goes a little bit probably above and beyond uh, what's necessary to make sure that it keeps moving. Right. Because crew scheduling is falling down and not doing this. Uh, and hence the grievance and hence us, you know, prioritizing this as a problem, uh, because ultimately uh, we uh, too much of the burden has been placed on us. Right. And uh, we need a little help making sure that things keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah exactly. The burden's put on us. So, yeah. uh, all right. Yeah. yeah, so, just uh, got know, there. yeah so, help yeah,
0: us out, yeah, you know, file yeah file the dart file the the pilot issue form uh and let chris and his team follow up on it uh and make sure that the company starts to put you know some feedback loops in place that uh, you know make sure that this stuff gets fixed and that we're able to to move forward right uh and make sure that we all have a, a reliable airline that uh, is going to be here for a long time right
3: yeah sounds sounds good
0: yeah that's right uh thanks tom um okay. Brian, I uh, see so you got your hand
4: up. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good. What's happening? I uh, wanted to touch on something about that because I, I this almost became an issue similarly. Um, and they, they did have enough time, but there was a desire on their part to move the report time. But uh, the, so- the software we have, you know, Ames doesn't always let them know that when they're pushing that forward, That they still have to have the 10 hours of intervening rest so um kind of a note for maybe some of the newer guys that may or may not be on the calls if if they want to move your report time later in order to ensure that you remain within your fdp they have to do that uh prior to you entering rest or it's not a valid move
0: yeah that's right it has to be prospective right
4: yeah not like i'm Two hours away from you know heading to the airport and they're like, oh, we'll move your show time. It's like, you can you can move the time that I show, but yeah, can't can't move the start of FTP.
0: Um to some extent you can move um, earlier for a marketing time change, right? Um, yes. but there yep. really is no other way to change that report time. Um yep. that is kind of fixed in stone. And you're correct, there is language that governs. Um, you know, uh, a later report, like due to a delay, right? Uh, So say that you were supposed to report at like 10 AM, right? And uh, that flight's delayed because the inbound aircraft is, you know, two hours late, right? So you're not gonna, the airplane's not gonna show up until noon, right? Uh, They need to be calling you uh, and watching out for your rest when they call you, right? But they notif- need to notify you of that delay. Um, but that delay doesn't change the calculation of your workday, right? Um Correct. Because the the originally scheduled uh, report time is the start of your uh, your calculation for duty, right? um likewise Correct. let's say they wanted to call you like say they called you today like while you're on duty for your trip tomorrow which is delayed right um yep. so uh, you, it's not just before you go to work right because the, there's a late inbound they are, they know the day before hey you know that that airplane that we're going to send down to you in uh in houston is just simply uh, not going to be there tomorrow afternoon you know until noon um they can't uh reschedule you to a noon report and say that's when your ftp starts yeah um anything more to that brian that you wanted to highlight
2: no
4: just that uh, yeah some of the newer schedulers forget that sure i might i might hang out at the uh, hotel for a couple more hours and you know actually physically show up at the airport later but that does not constitute a change of report time per se yes
0: yeah. yeah that's right it you yeah. don't get to start the the duty calculations later um snooze button that's right yeah snooze button exactly <laughs> that's exactly it too yeah. all right um let's see anyone else uh questions comments um thoughts on uh, notification questions about pbs Hey, Derek, uh, I see you got your hand up. You got the floor.
5: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my uh, my question here. I, I just had a question. that's kind of off topic. But I was wondering if there's been any progress made on the uh, pre bid uh, type of uh, solution or if there's any uh, uh, short term plan in place to make the schedules more palatable for uh, commuters.
0: Yeah, two things on that. Um, We're pushing for a solution uh, for um, sorry, every day is Monday. Um, So this, this is October, and we're looking at the bid pack for November. So we're building um, a November bid pack that will have uh, a significant number of five days. um, But those five days will be consolidated onto lines that uh, pretty—I I, want to say exclusively—but um, there may be, you know, one or two lines that get a little blurry. Um, but the idea is to just consolidate as many of those five-day trips onto lines with uh, with other five days, and not uh, let those five days kind of trickle back into uh, the you know four and under. Um, that at least gives commuters something to bid at in November, um, and we'll we'll continue proposing that type of solution uh, until there is something in place for a long trip prebid. Um, uh, The long trip pre-bid conversation. uh, For the first time, the company has agreed to meet with us as of uh, as of Thursday morning. uh, They agreed to meet with the negotiating committee and start to have a a discussion about um, uh, long trips. Okay, Uh, that's a really positive move forward. I have to say that the conversation in and of itself was. super regressive, um, you know, it was, we're not gonna do anything additional at all. And we're saying, listen, there's there's things that your crew planning department, as well as, you know, Ingalls and Kitsch, uh, who are heavily embedded in that department, um, are talking about together that would really, really help, you know, save cost and increase operational reliability. And we got the, you know, snazzy pushback of um though well, well, there's there's just no appetite for anything that's more complex okay uh i i understand you might have some troubles with complexity right but you know airlines are difficult to run and inherently complex and highly regulated and have tons of rules so you got to make it through that kind of stuff right and if you want to save money and do better uh you know there's things that you need to talk about because your people are asking for them right um this is not an unusual negotiating corner to find ourselves in where we're proposing things that would be good you know for the company and the company is telling us that they won't or can't do them um uh, but that that is the nature of that conversation so um i'm really happy to see the progress in that they've agreed to actually meet with you know zillan and talk about long trips and actually negotiating them uh, because truly you know what was put in place as a test bed was it was you know there's a handy work of will and i trying to push something through and it didn't have all of the you know kind of hard corners rounded off that come with spending some time at the table talking through what's necessary to do it right, right? And, you know, as we've talked about quite a bit in the past, you know, uh, conflicts, right? What do you do with a guy that has a vacation? What do you do with a guy that has a meal leave, right? There's ways to do this that are really simple that have nothing to do with complexity that that will actually make this easier to bid an award. Um, It's just that you actually have to talk about Those things for a little bit to make them happen, right? Um, It's not a particularly hard conversation. and, And frankly, I mean, these are the things that their own crew planning department is asking for. So we'll see if we can get there on satisfying the needs of their own crew planning department, I guess which is odd. Um, But hey, super happy that they want to start talking about it because that's exactly what we need to have happen. In the interim, uh, we're going to push this, you know, five-day consolidated, uh, you know, trips uh, uh, in the solution. So uh, what ends up happening there, I think it's worth talking about a little bit, right? Uh, Because last month, what you saw was uh, a lot of four days uh, and then, you know, three twos and ones um but what will happen is a lot of the the four days kind of will become five days so the amount of four days is somewhat reduced so what you're going to see is like consolidated lines of five days some four days but then quite a bit more one twos and threes right which i think is also a pretty satisfactory uh place right um in lieu of having you know 40 long trips uh, to meet that satisfaction having consolidated five days is good for the commuter um having uh ones twos and threes as kind of where the center of other bidding is uh, I think is also pretty desirable for the local so um it's kind of a cobbled together uh, solution in the meantime meantime but we're uh, we're hoping we can find a path on on long trips
5: okay sounds good thanks for the yeah. insight
0: yeah you bet uh, anyone else questions, comments, thoughts, concerns? All right. Uh, I see Brian has a hand back up, Brian, uh, another question.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll, i yeah, I'll bite on the, uh, the PBS. So uh, yeah, pre- presuming <laughs> a, uh, do you have a, yeah. What, uh, do you have any kind of just rough sketch of a proposed timeline, even if it's a wild guess?
0: Um, I'm gonna say this and hold, just grab onto something and hold on, okay? Like a nice right. tight grip with two hands. 2025. All right. Makes sense. I kind of figured that it's, would be pretty close. Let that, that let that sink in for a little bit, right? Um, there are uh, other companies now in line ahead of us. Um, Navblue has. A finite amount of, you know, programming resources and um, and patience, uh, and <laughs> they're uh, right. Um, they're. <laughs> I was going to say the
4: exact same word. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're not going to find the time to program us uh, just realistically until 2025. I'm sure this place is going to try and raise on holy hell to make that timeline go away. Um, they've tried that move a couple times with NavBlue and that's where they run into the patients, um, NavBlue's patients, well, right?
4: My question was a bit more about not so much when does it get switched on for, I mean, is 2025 the answer for when we'd probably start testing as well, or would there be potentially some, some earlier?
0: There's some testing going on right now. I mean, we, we now have a, like a sandbox test bed, uh, that the, the scheduling folks can play with, right? Um, but that is not something that's programmed to our rules, right? So it's like a, um, it's like taking a car for a test drive, right? It's not the color, or the the outfit that you actually would want to buy, um, but at least you get yep. to see kind of how it handles, right? Um, the when I say 2025, I think that's when the programming starts.
4: Understood.
2: Yeah.
0: Hopefully, we're hanging on to something there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how hard our programming is going to be, right? Because, I mean, this whole thing is essentially, you know, the the finished product is nav blue. And then they make little tweaks to, you know, their, their basic thing in order to conform to the labor agreement. What most companies do is just make their contract conform to pbs to nav blue so that it just works right but we have you know we didn't do that so we have um weird workarounds right um one one for instance right the so nav is program to uh you know midnight to midnight calendar day we have a 2 a.m to 2 a.m calendar day um a lot of airlines do right a lot of airlines at that juncture will talk about changing that Uh, just to make it work. Um, We went down a different path um, because the company didn't want to entertain that, right? Uh, We have, um, well, what will happen is anything with a report time between midnight and 2 a.m. will not get awarded through PBS and we'll just simply go uh, go into open time at premium pay. I mean, okay, right? Don't threaten me with a good time. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a weird workaround, right? And that's, you, you're going to see some of that stuff that it's, you know, an uncomfortable dance. It's uncomfortable to watch it happen. Um, but it's it's there. It's not necessarily a negative for us, um, you know, so much as it's the odd place that we ended up,
4: right? Um, pivoting from that, uh, what's the timeline again on uh, the Mid uh, the mid cycle negotiations coming up.
0: Oh, help me out. What are you asking for? Mid-terms. Mid-terms. You know oh, the mid-terms. four items, yeah. four items, and cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, w- what are you asking about midterms? Sorry, rephrase that. Oh, just when when does that get
4: started? I uh, I
0: yeah, I sure. That. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, as early as November twenty first, the two t- two sides can exchange issues and as late as December 21st. Okay, so uh, somewhere in between November 21st and December 21st, we uh, we exchange issues. Got it. Yeah, yeah, um, a little bit more on uh, midterms, right? So um, again, kind of the, the tale of two deals, right? So, you know, one deal we go in and we ask for a bunch of expensive things Right. Um, And then the company is going to seek a quid or an offset. Right. So we ask for, um, let's say we want to go to, you know, minimum 16 days off a month for everyone. Right. Company is going to say that's, you know, seven million dollars. And we ask for, uh, you know, a couple other expensive items. And they they tally all that up. They go, that's, you know, 40 million dollars. And. Um, we would like to quid that with your health insurance, right? Um, And so you do the math on that and you go, well, we think you know the stuff we're asking for is worth two million and you're saying it's worth 40, right? And you get into the, these weird costing arguments. But remember that midterms is backstopped by um, arbitration, right? So if you can't come to some agreement on the exchange of value, what happens is you move it to an arbitrator and the arbitrator makes some decisions uh, based on what they think the value is worth. Right. Then they can parse that stuff out. Right. So it's it's a really dangerous place to start to tally up a bunch of high dollar items. Right. Um, Another deal. Right. So tale of two deals. Another deal. You walk in and you ask for things that uh, have a minimum amount of cost. Right uh and uh say say uh partials right partial trip drops so you have a trip that's five days long and on day three it comes back through uh through minneapolis and you'd like to cut that trip on day three uh and you know trade that out with uh with zillion right so you're gonna, you're gonna you want zillion to pick up the last two days of your trip um a lot of you know good schedule flexibility in there uh it, Zero cost to the company, right? Uh, say that there's kind of a rig, a question that needs to be answered. Right, what happens with the rig? Does the rig go to Zillin? Does the rig stay with you? Um, you know, but or does the rig go back to the house, right? And then we seek a quid. Um, but. As long as the the rig stays either with you or Zillin, you might want Zillian to have that rig so that uh, it incentivizes him to pick up those two days off you because that's what you need is those two days off, right? Um, But notice what's happening there is it's an ask that has no cost to the company, right? So even if you go in front of the arbitrator and try to explain where the costs are, there's, there's no cost, right? Um, so there's no ability to uh, for the company to seek a quid like your healthcare, care. Right. Uh, so this is a very different sort of negotiations. This isn't like Section six. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, with an arbitrated backstop, it's uh, pretty complex. Uh, it's a really strategically kind of a difficult place to ask for high dollar items to come back in line with um you know gains that uh, the rest of the industry has seen. Um right. And that's part of why the company's been pushing their narrative uh on you know junior reserves. It's not just not just to create division between you know the regular pilot and the reserves, right? I mean we'd love to see more days off for reserves and increased guarantee for reserves and um uh you know ads, right? Um, but all of those are going to come with a price, and then the, the company's trying to create pressure on the MEC to go ask for those things. right? So the negotiating committee you know, seeks those in midterms, and the company goes, yeah, that's that's worth your health care. We'll take your health care. We're good. Right? That, that's a terrible deal for us. So um, all of uh, that agreed. pressure. What's that? What was that yeah, called? I totally agree with
4: you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it makes tons of sense.
0: Yeah, it does, right? In in all of the the pressure uh, to solve that upgrade problem, right? Which is what they're they claim to be solving with, uh, um, you know, that package that they're championing, right? I mean, by all means, if they think that that solves their upgrade problem and they want to ask for that in midterms, they should they should do that, right? And then we'll quit accordingly, right? But having us ask for them and then losing our healthcare in the process, yeah, not not a chance, right? And the, um, the problem of solving you know, upgrades, that will exist on the other side of midterms, exactly intact as well how it is now, or maybe a little worse, right? Especially after the company draws down for five or six months, trying to fix their training department, um, right? Because without some upward movement, people are gonna start jumping ship here uh, rapidly. Yeah. Uh, any follow up with that, Brian? Are you uh, you good there?
4: Nope. That, uh, that uh, that's that's uh, interesting yeah. stuff. Um, you know, obviously, the the second deal is the one that makes the most sense to me and the guys I talk to. Yeah,
0: that's that's right. I mean, I'd love to see some changes made, right? Uh, with reserve life, um, uh, truly. Uh, we we pulled the reserves up quite a bit in December of 21. There's still more work to be done there even to come in line with uh, you know where the regionals are at. Um, it just hadn't seen much attention for a really long time. And you know reserve ads here is uh, is a pretty contentious issue, right? It's not that far in the in the history where that was a straight seniority ad, right? And the guys who spent 15 or 20 years on this property waiting to be able to pick up open time, Right. Um, uh, You know, they're going to be really disappointed that uh, there's other people eating eating their lunch. Right. Uh, There's ways to do that, that don't harm the senior people. Right. Um, And we got to figure out where the pilot group wants to go down that route at some time. But now is not the right time for that deal. All right. Uh Tom, I see you got your hand up. Um uh what's shaking? Yeah, I just had a question with insurance. Uh do we got open enrollment coming up? Isn't that usually in October? Sounds like November to me if I remember correctly. But yeah, end of this month, Zillon says. And end of October, Zillon okay. says. Yeah. Hi, I just got an email. All right, end of October. Okay. Let, yeah
3: well hopefully we'll
0: keep that uh insurance that's definitely a perk about working here yeah it sure is right um i mean it's it's yeah. great insurance honestly i mean where the company should go on insurance to tell you the truth is is you know funding uh, the out-of-pocket in the hsa and then move everybody to the hsa um that is the right move but that's not where they are yeah <laughs> yep very good well thank yeah. you yeah you bet all right um so i got i got three guys with their hands up right now and i i know one uh, uh tom steller i don't think you've you've had a chance yet um yeah there you go
6: uh yeah if i can step in sorry i, I almost talked over uh tom Boren there because i thought yeah no awesome. that was
0: my fault because i just said tom right and then i realized right after it was like yeah there's two guys with their hands up in Tom. yeah that's good my okay. hands yeah
6: that worked out um As far as the midterm piece goes, do you guys have relatively an idea of what you're gonna go after or are we gonna see some kind of pilot group surveys at some point uh, relating to uh, what we'd like to see with that? I've just never been through that process before.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, We're gonna definitely do surveys. Uh, We got the survey drafted. It goes to the economic and finance analysis department to code it, uh, which actually is strangely a really long process. Um I'm guessing it's gonna probably be about four weeks. So uh, we'll be we'll probably be getting results back right about uh, mid-november and then um you know, try to process that It'll, it, pretty pretty straightforward, right um, And truthfully just I mean talking through that strategy that I just talked through, right there's there's some pretty, clear paths there you'll see some of that on the survey for sure um you know partials is a is a really good place for us um uniform allotment is actually a pretty good place for us right so um right now the company pays, pays for like two pairs of pants and a half a blazer because right? you get like a blazer every two years or something um uh, so something where you pay you know uh, whatever the equivalent of that is i'm guessing about 250 bucks 300 bucks right you just pay that on on july 1st and then uh, the company realizes some uh administrative uh burden right uh, that they don't have to do anymore because somebody's administering all those pants yeah right? and we want to quid for that um that's that's one that would work uh yeah i guess we just we want to hear from you guys too what um you know uh, what you'd like to prioritize out of kind of low cost, no cost items or contractual fixes. Truly, the midterms thing, right? If you look at what the midterms were and what we were trying to do there, right? So um, as the deal was closing in December of '21, uh, we were realizing, you know, that our days with with OC. Uh, were coming to an end, and that uh, you know the the culture of interest-based bargaining that he brought with him were coming to an end, and that we were going working through a contract very quickly, and there would be problems and errors there, and uh, you know in a distributive bargaining world, which is exactly what we're in now, um, the other side would refuse to talk to you about your incremental gains, right? Um, but we would still need a path beyond just the eight arbitrations a year that we do. Uh, to fix some of the issues that come with working fast on a contract and um you know set up that midterm bargaining because right we we wanted a three-year duration right because that would bring us about in line with uh, the other companies uh, who are moving through their contract negotiations right now um and the company was seeking a five-year duration we ended at four and then added the midterms in the middle, right? Um, and again, the midterms were not intended necessarily to bring us up with, um, you know, the contract gains that you've seen in Alaska or in Delta United, but to fix small, succinct, individual specific contract issues. It's literally four arbitrations packed into one, right? That's why it says an arbitrated backstop in language that uh, limits it to um, Small singular issues, right? Uh, so you're going to see that in the um, in the survey, right? Um, you know, us kind of poking around that and asking about things that people would like to prioritize out of kind of a, a list like that. Um, it's helpful, I think, for the pilot group to have some context going into that survey, that we're we're not tone deaf to the fact. You know that pattern bargaining is uh you know we're we were the first mover right and we're enjoying the money in our pocket that comes with being the first mover um and we definitely knew that we were going to uh get quote unquote leapfrogged right that's that's what pattern bargaining is is how it works and you know the goal was to uh have other people put pegs on the side of the mountain so that uh, there was a path for us to climb there um, it wasn't necessarily the midterms was going to help us climb that mountain then um, truly, it's it's for small arbitrations. is what it is. Uh, so in that in that survey, just know you know what we're targeting and why and it has to do with the bounds of what the negotiation actually is. Um, I should mention too, that cats is a not only a separate negotiation, but a separate arbitrated issue and can happen later in time like uh, completion of pbs right so uh, is that completion of pbs when we ratify this thing right um or is that when you implement uh or is that when people start bidding that's a little little vague right so um when is cats and when is that cat's discussion i don't know um but it is tied to completion of pbs so it is it is distinct from the, the four items and on uh, each side for midterms any follow-up there tom
6: uh not on that specifically no that that answered what i needed um just the i guess the one other question i had on somewhat of an unrelated note was that you made an allusion to a, a training drawdown a couple times and i guess just to clarify um, this is not something that has been announced to have happening. This is just something that is being recommended. Or have they actually said, no, we're going to do this?
0: Um, I'd say both. Okay. Yeah. I, I, they've been heading in that direction for several months. Um, you know, we discussed it at lunch yesterday, just from the, I wouldn't say recommended so much as pragmatic. From a pragmatic standpoint, they have so much to fix that all of the attention is going towards just continuing to shove people into the front end of the pipe. And they're not coming out the back end of the pipe. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, by our count, they had about 104 people kind of floating adrift in training, right? Right. And it's leading to a, a myriad of problems, you know, including the failure rates. What, what's driving the failure rate right, is someone who you know, needs extra training. There's, there's no SIM time available because they've decided to book all of the SIMs, right? So um, if you fail to progress on lesson three, um, it might be five weeks until there's an open SIM slot to have you do lesson three. Well, of course, everything you did on lesson one and two is vacated your brain at that point, right? There's there's very little of that left. And so you go into lesson three for your redo, which you already struggled with five weeks ago. And, you know, where where does the progression come from, uh, you know, where you're building your skills? And and people are, you know, uh, you get through lesson three, maybe, right? And then it's another four weeks into lesson four. And it just, um, people can't can't make it through training in that way, right? And so we're seeing the spike in, in failures, and um, they just need to uh, they need to slow down a little bit so they can go faster, right? And um, there's the discussion isn't so far along as that we know, you know, when they're going to draw down or how long they're going to draw down. Um, we knew there was some amount of drawdown coming just simply because it's you know coming into November, December. And there's you know, those are those are one of the peaky months, right? you make the money then. And they were already talking about trying to push out, you know, the the training pilots onto the line and you know, do more training with non seniority list instructors. And I, I don't think they've gotten those people through the pipeline either. Uh so they're not, you know, they don't really have the resources at this point. Like there's so many frayed ends, right? Uh, from our perspective, you really just gotta start to address some of those and tie them off and you know make sure that uh, you got a plan going into that drawdown too right um, you know just drawing down so you take some of the pressure off doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna come out of the drawdown you know whether that's two months long or six months long uh, successfully right you, you have to have a plan to be able to leverage that time right if you're going to bother slowing down you need to know that you know when you come out the other side that things are going to be working better right and without a plan going into it what, what do you get out of the drawdown uh, other than a couple of relaxing months right um so I, that's as much as i really know uh i i wish i could tell you where they're going you know last night the discussion was we're going to draw down and today we saw an award you know a, a bulletin with what uh, nine people going into new hire 11 people going into new hire class. yeah I mean that's that's one less than usual it's not it's not a drawdown so um uh, and we haven't been training captains in any significant numbers for months right um so I don't know when the drawdown comes uh, you know or if they the attrition was so high that you know the crew planning and folks went out and said listen I'm not going to be able to fly the schedule in March right Unless you shove more people into the front end of the pipe, which is probably about what happened. Sure.
6: Yeah, I guess yeah. from uh, I, it, that just echoes a lot of the issues I've heard. I'm in the new hire mentorship program and it echoes a lot of the same issues I've heard from guys that are. Yeah, they have uh, they they whiff an MV or they got to repeat an LOS and, and it turns into a four week debacle. And um, yeah, sounds like you guys are are well ahead of that. So that's all I have, I think. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's, those training delays, it's a really weird corner, right, because, um, well, every other training program out there has something equivalent to what I would call a blank day, right, where they have a, a simulator and an instructor who are uh, already set aside to, you know, catch the crew that doesn't progress, right, and we pushed for this November, December 21, right? Um, we're gonna, gonna need some sort of blank days to, you know, for recovery. Uh, truly, you know, Jesse Greenberg who was director of training at that time, was asking for the same, um, and we were told at the table we wouldn't possibly know what to do with those, right? Uh, it, we, I mean, this is literally us sitting there going, "Your people are asking for this." we need you to take this so you have operational reliability and they're saying, no, no, we won't do that. Um, and instead, you know, they did an efficiency study of the training department and filled every single hour of the day with SIM. Uh, and so there is no open slot and no open instructor to catch the crew that doesn't progress. And then we, we had another swipe at this right with um, uh, 2302 which was the settlement for, well, the as well, we had two different swipes at this. We had uh, another swipe after negotiations when we did Section 18, in which we said, hey, you really need to build blank days into this still. We got another no. And then we did 2302, which is a settlement for uh, trainees, right? Um, and that's when, you know, Matt DeFoe had taken over as the director of training and literally sat at the table with us, you know, as uh, – New guy at the company, and and said verbatim, "I need blank days," and we looked at him and said, "That's a great idea," and turned to the company's negotiator who said, "I can't do that." And and here we sit with people who can't progress through training, right? I mean, it's it is a bizarre situation. So yeah. All right, Tom. Uh, any more on that, or
6: uh, you go? No, that was my uh, that was kind of my list. Thank
0: you. Yeah, you bet. Um, Derek, I see you still have your hand up. You're number one. Uh, did you want the floor? Do you have a question or um, is that just an error? All right, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Scott. What, uh, what you got going on?
5: Hey, thanks for uh, taking my question. I came into to the call. Um, my just kind of generic macro question. Um, you've been working with this company chairman for a while and working with the same people you and uh, your Patriots and the rest of Alpha. I like how you had talked about midterm bargaining with the different ways to go about it. How do you see this playing out in the next five to six months? Because, from my sense, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's going really good. And I'm actually, I'm just worried. I'm worried about the company, honestly. And I'm sure you guys are too. So, um, I guess I'm kind of just asking for. With your wisdom, best case scenario, how the next six to seven months goes, worst case, and then maybe something in the middle. So myself and the rest of us can be ready for what's coming. That's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's
5: it. <laughs> just, that's it, just that little bit. Um. Well, I mean, seriously, like I, you know, I've, I've worked here not as long as the rest of you on this call and whatnot. You've worked with these people longer than I have. What, what should be my expectation?
0: You yeah, know, as look, a pilot man, here. it's as it's a, ju- a super as a legitimate question, right? And I I can't say that I didn't lose sleep over it last night. Um I I, I am concerned, um, significantly concerned, as is everyone that's in this room with me. Um, it, <laughs> put it this way, right? There are really significant headwinds. A lot of those headwinds are due to choices about labor and labor policy, right? Um, This company has a fantastic business plan, is making money hand over fist and can, you know, uh, you know, uh, exclusive of any outside influences like, you know, uh, a war in the Middle East, or, you know, gas prices going crazy because of a uh, Russian-Ukrainian war. And, you know, I mean, external things like that, right, that we can't control. Um, I mean, poised for amazing success, right? Um, or that can all be squandered and lost in a labor relationship that's dysfunctional that I don't have any control over. Um I mean, truthfully, I've I I've seen over, you know, 15 years of alpha work, um, alpha, you know, different MECs or different negotiating committees, different pilot groups, getting themselves into some really complicated pickles, right? Uh, based on their own behavior. And this is really opposite of that. It's the upside down world, right? um the pilot group wants to work uh it w- wants wants to work really bad and work bends over backwards to make the place go um has made it through enormous hurdles right is taking up the burden of safety taking up the burden of scheduling taking up the burden of training uh is you know as far as we can patch them together right with Bailing wire and duct tape. And the, we're running out of ability to keep putting patches on stuff, right? Because there's so little of the, the frame left that you can't even get to it anymore. And all that's left is the, you know, the baling wire. And uh, the infrastructure of this place is in, in a bad way. At the same time, you look at, you know, multiple different departments that are doing fantastic, Right. Uh, Marketing is great. Aircraft finance and acquisition is fantastic. Maybe the best that's ever existed in the industry. Um, uh, You know, the route planning is astonishingly good. Um, They've done a great job on capitalizing on, you know, um, say, Wisconsin's name brand familiarity with Sun Country and going into Milwaukee and in Madison, right? Finding markets where uh, they can run their business model, which is significantly different from, you know, the Allegiant flying into, you know, St. Cloud or something. They're, they're doing amazing things. And you're, you're seeing that in the profit margin um, and particularly percent of ASM, right? Um I, there's some really great stuff happening. We have got some really bad problems going on operationally, right? And I mean, it's four or five years ago, right? That, like, you know, Kevin and I were doing the the ops calls and stuff with OC and Andy and talking about, you know, the difficulties in the training department and the failure of the training department to, you know, grow or get people through, right? Uh, that AQP wasn't really an AQP program at all, right? Uh, And from, you know, the five years ago perspective, you could have done something about that and changed it and made it work, right? Um, And different choices have been made and certain things have been ignored. And even, you know, some, some part of the ultra low cost carrier business model is to go through department by department and break them. Right. I mean, you, you literally starve them of resources and people until they crack um, and then you rebuild them a little bit. Right. Just so that you have just just enough money going to them. And what we're saddled with now is, you know, uh, like the safety department. Right. Uh, I mean, Jessica's, you know, great, great person, you know, and, and truly is is a champion of safety. But how much can you do with, you know, a year, year and a half of experience and and almost no resources and, you know, almost constant turnover for the couple of people that she can hire uh, to help her. And she does everything from, you know, Folkwa to uh, the slip and falls in front of the doors. Right. Walk like a penguin and all that. Right. Um, I, I just how much can that tiny little department handle and and do something meaningful and, and truly she's just got an uphill battle because the stuff like folk or ASAP she doesn't have 15 20 years of experience or degree in aviation safety to back that stuff up, right um, so we end up with you know a bunch of departments that are doing a great job operationally we're struggling um, you know crew scheduling struggling training struggling safety struggling. Um, and, and they all need resources uh, to succeed, right? Um, yeah, I, you know, the FAA is concerned about us, right? Uh, non-seniority list instructors are wildly non-standard. That's not helping anything. Uh, all that stuff needs attention and time, right? Um, and we've been having those conversations for years and years and years and not seeing the action. And And I think, you know, a lot of times what you'll see out of management is a desire for self-preservation, right? So we, union gets demonized as, you know, a problem. Um, and anything that we talk about as a fix is the wrong thing. So then they can't do those things, right? Which that's in and of itself, a culturally a problem. Um, and I think, you know, that, that discussion that we had yesterday with Jude and Greg was, hey, listen, we've worked all the way up through your infrastructure to try to get to the point where you know this stuff was getting fixed at a at a lower level and it hasn't been and we need help. Um, and it, and it's you know I don't I don't know. is it a bit of hyper hyperbole to say it's you know an existential crisis? Um, I I don't know, right And where are we at in six months or a year? Uh, I think all depends on what we do right now, right? And, you know, that's part of why I'm here talking about interest-based bargaining because that's what we need to do. Um, And just a little note on that. I mean, interest-based bargaining is not, I want this thing, right? It's how do you do something different to both get what you need, right? i mean the companies that are out there that are doing well right now are heavily interested in interest-based bargaining Uh, the companies that don't exist anymore are really dedicated to distributive bargaining and uh, you know distributive bargaining is a great way to buy an airplane
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's super open-ended. I know it kind of echoes the themes that you've been talking about. Um, I just I just know a lot of people are leaving. A lot of people who uh, are trying to leave if they can't leave. And um, I'm just worried for this winter. Like, I, is, is it? Are you suggesting we need to take a loss for the company to see the urgency in any of these issues profit-wise?
0: um i'm not sure i'm totally tracking on the question maybe maybe try one more time just so i, I like, totally get it
5: are you saying that everything's good because we're making money and it's like head in the sand like an ostrich as long as every quarter is positive everything's fine is is that what you're suggesting that potential no. management sees sun country or
0: no, no 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 understand um you know making 50 million a quarter Gives us a lot of buffer between bankruptcy and, you know, where we're at, right?
2: Sure, Um, sure. It
0: it gives you time and opportunity to fix things, right? If we were skating along, you know, losing $2 million a quarter, man, things would be complicated. Holy buckets, right? Um, But the fact that this place is making money gives everybody a little bit of reprieve and they can kind of think things through a little bit and, you know, make a good decision. Right. Um, yeah, you know, (laughs) growing up, right. My, my folks were uh, business people, right. And dad would often say to me, you know, I'm, I'm a couple bad decisions away from losing it all. And that's true. Right. I I don't know, you know, does this place make the right decisions now so that we're here six months, a year from now, um, and doing way better. Or do we make the wrong decisions, or keep continue down the path we're on and and wallow along? I mean, wallowing along is uh, maybe even an option, right? Keep being all screwed up, making fifty million a quarter is not exactly a you know lack of success, right? It's not good for us. It's not good for our careers. It's not good for the people that suffer the failures. That's for sure. Um, but you know, making fifty million dollars a quarter, two hundred million dollars a year that's that's not a bad business right um but it's a terrible business when you could fly the same airplanes you have twice as much and make another 500 million
1: but if you get so squarely
0: you know full of angst about you know pilots and paying what you need to pay to hire and retain or you know put in the investment you need to put into a training department so that people don't leave in droves right to protect their career um yeah, that 50 million is gonna go away really quick yeah i think there's a bright future. I got, thank you yeah i i really do i i think there's a bright future i love my job i love working here the people are great culture's great right we're all leaning on each other to make this thing go as this place has forever right um it has a tremendous opportunity because of the people that are here, and um, it needs to capitalize on it. All right, uh, Andrew, uh, I see you got your hand up.
1: Yeah, just real quick, is the uh, third sim up and running?
0: Does anybody have an update on that? There were some changes
1: even as of yesterday. They mute. muted. muted, muted. I muted.
2: Muted, muted. Once you talking there we go. Right, we got two computers in the same room, and that's that is a recipe for all sorts of bad things. Kind of uh, like a Pink Floyd theme. Yeah, it was awesome, right? <laughs> like, whoa, all right, cool, man. It's like that last dead show. Um, so my understanding on The Sims is that um, C, this, the CAE number two is uh, up and running. There are still a couple of issues with that. Um, Uh, but those are being ironed out. Um, CAE number one, which is sort of our old original sim, um, was supposed to come down, I think, early this month. It's now going to come down uh, middle of this month, maybe not a little bit later. And then it will be down actually probably longer than expected while they move that over to um, the AFG building. And then uh, they're actually spending, I think, 2.4 million bucks to upgrade, um, you know, our old sim and essentially put the same um, software package control loading all that kind of good stuff that is in the sort of the brand new sim that's sitting in AFG. So those two sims will I think have the same Boeing binary code and control loading and should basically fly the same and have you know similar um instructor stations and, and stuff. So um so that's gonna be down probably for about four months. So we'll still be down to two SIMs, right? Our the one at AFG that we own and then the CAE sim that's being, you know, that we lease time on over in CAE. And then the the sort of third sim, which is I probably got everybody confused now, which is our original sim will be back up and running in like four or five months is the latest plan that we heard there. So, um, so we'll be down to two um, for a little bit, uh, but when uh, the third one is back up and running, it actually should be uh, significantly improved over over what we got. Now. So is that kind of answer? Yeah, yeah,
1: more thorough
0: than I expected. Thank you.
1: Uh, another question, if I could sneak it in, about yeah. the uh, flight attendants contract. Any update there?
0: You know, I don't have much on that.
2: Um, they're like in a cooling off period for mediation. Yeah. I mean, I think they can still talk, but I think the mediation was like 90 days or something, before, cooling off before they even got to mediation. So that's yeah, well, coming, coming
1: up, up in November. Federal, 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 uh, federal mediation shortly
0: but i don't know yeah when that is yeah yeah i wish i had some better news for you
2: on that one i just uh i, I don't hey on that front when you mentioned the flight attendants i'm going to just put in my plug um keep supporting them uh when you're out on the line um let them know that you're thinking about them and that you support their efforts um to get a good contract uh, yeah, they, will, right. they will really really appreciate it um, it means a lot to them. Um, it's funny. I mean, it doesn't take much, uh, you know, but you, you show up and you're a pilot and you tell a flight attendants that you're thinking about them and that you wish them a lot. That goes a lot, goes a long way to helping them morale. So take that opportunity if you can.
0: Yep, that's right. They, they need to do well with their negotiation and uh, be successful. And that takes takes a lot of solidarity and a lot of people feeling as if they're they're going to get there. Right. So, uh, yeah, keep supporting them. Andrew, anything more? Uh no, us do. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Uh Nick, I uh, finally got to you. You've had your <laughs> hand up for a while.
1: Hey, Eric. Thanks. No, I, I came in kind of late, so I missed the first half and probably all of your recap on yesterday's meeting, but kind of picked up it. Didn't sound like it went very well. And
0: oh no, I think it went well. I, I really truly do. Um they were they listened and they were receptive, and that is really good. That's you know particularly on the training, which was the thrust of the conversation. Um, What I saw was two guys who don't particularly know a whole lot about pilot training, right? Uh, Nor nor should they. They have you know sergeants and generals that do that work. Um, But two guys who were very concerned about what was going on and uh, were were willing. I mean, uh, Jude stayed well. You know and at least an hour past uh what he was scheduled for which um just knowing how my calendar is i mean his calendar does not have time for that and something something got dropped and something got canceled but he stayed and uh it's important
1: well that's that's great then um and then uh, going back to kind of the training stuff is when i popped in uh um is there any maybe touch base before I got on the call? But is there any anything yet with the FAA and their investigation into the training department? If, if they reached out to Alpa or they released any information or what's the status of that?
0: No, I mean those things kind of go into the the ether, right? I mean um, because it is an investigation, they they don't really talk about it, right? I mean they talk to us. <laughs> Um, it, it's uh, yeah, it's a little complicated. Add to that that um, Dan, um, someone help me out, Lankowski. Yeah, Lankowski. Uh, you know, kind of came on property as the POI. Spent a little time. We started to set up kind of regular meetings, and then he went on paternity leave, right? Which the FAA has um, remarkably good paternity leave. You're, if you're a pilot, dad, future dad, and you you want you know a couple several months off to Child bond, uh, the FAA is the right place. Um, uh, he, even he was pretty surprised, I think, by how long that, that paternal leave was. But I, I think he got about three months, right? Yeah, it will
2: be back in December.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think we have uh, more time with them set up in December to you know continue <laughs> some discussions there. Uh, along with that, um, Chad Cockleman was replaced with Peter Peter Garber. Uh, so Pete Garber is now kind of the, you know, training guy for Sun Country. Um, uh, the other three FAA guys that we have, um, have stayed the same. Uh, but those two positions were changed out. And and I think, you know, uh, because they probably needed to see a little change in those two positions. So um i think those guys are kind of getting their feet underneath them trying to find their bearings understand what this place is and how it works uh both of them come from endeavor uh, so both you and i are a little bit familiar with what their expectation is um, which is uh, quite a bit different from this the way the faa interacted with this place in the past um uh, i have uh you know pretty high hopes about what their uh, what their approach is and
2: uh hopefully they uh they can handle this place
1: (laughs) okay great no that's that's kind of what i was mostly curious about so um, awesome and then there there hasn't been a ruling on the arbitration yet is there
0: uh no i think we're expecting something kind of mid-november on that i think the the lawyers from both sides are now preparing their briefs for the arbitrator. Right, so they get the transcript back from uh, from the actual arbitration itself, and then they work through writing and submitting their briefs. Um, and then we wait for the decision. Right. Um, we've asked the company, you know, where where are you at? Um, they came back to us with exactly where they were at during arbitration. Which is we can't possibly make two one report out of two reports. It's just utterly impossible. Can't do it. And um, the arbitrator heard that, you know, during during the course of the arbitration and uh, at the end said, "You better come to settlement because you're not going to like my remedy." Um, so, yeah.
1: All right. Well, that's all I got. Thanks.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Anyone else, questions, comments? Happy
1: to keep going if anybody's got anything.
0: All right. Well, with that, uh, yeah, we're a little past an hour and a half on this. We better better get back to uh, our PBS documents and doing some reading and uh, refocus, right? So, uh, hey, everyone, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us and having a great Q&A. Appreciate it, yeah. Uh, We'll talk in a week. Everyone, take care. Bye.